This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, September 9th, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court, in a rare move, will rehear the case Citizens United v. FEC. That case just might overturn much of current campaign finance law, restricting more direct corporate involvement in elections. Bradley Smith, former chairman of the Federal Election Commission and founder of the Center for Competitive Politics, says more direct corporate involvement in elections is just fine with him. I think at oral argument in March, they realized that this case involves some very big principles. Uh, it would be possible, to perhaps, to decide this case on narrow grounds, but the government's position relies on these cases, Austin and McConnell, and the government's position is that those cases give them the constitutional authority to ban books if need be. And I think when the court heard that, they said, maybe we'd better rethink those precedents. When Malcolm Stewart, uh, the deputy solicitor general, said, well, yes, uh, Justice Kennedy, when you download a book on your Kindle, that is a broadcast community, that is a satellite communication. And yes, I suppose between 30, 60 days of an election, we actually could ban that. Was that bad lawyering on his part? No, I think, uh, in, in fact, that is exactly what the government had put in its briefs, and you can't really run away from your briefs. Now, it's possible that another lawyer might have said, oh, well, we didn't really mean that. But doing that would have essentially thrown away the government's case in the immediate action. Uh, it might have preserved Austin, but the solicitor can't just abandon his client in the middle of oral argument. That was the FEC's position. And so I'm not sure that there was much else he could have done. Justice Roberts, uh, Justice Alito, Justice Kennedy were all pretty pointed in in making uh, their issuing their questions to um, Mr. Stewart. What is the sense that you get from this court agreeing to rehear it on how far they're actually likely to go. Sure. It's also worth noting, by the way, that Stewart is a very experienced advocate, and he has been uh, handling campaign finance cases out of that office for over a decade. So, again, it's not a rookie up there. In terms of uh, what these justices might want to do, Thomas and Scalia have long said that they would abolish pretty much all of these laws other than disclosure. Uh, Kennedy, who's often described as the swing vote in many areas, has never been a swing vote on campaign finance. He has never quite gone as far as Scalia and Thomas in his rhetoric, but in his actual votes and opinions, he has consistently been on the pro-speech side. So that's probably three votes there. And of course, he dissented in the original Austin case back in 1990. That leaves Alito and Roberts, both of whom have demonstrated a lot of skepticism about campaign finance laws. Alito has written some short concurrences in cases, almost asking for people to bring them more opinion or more cases that would allow them to reach further. Uh, and then that leaves Roberts. And the, the question is whether his skepticism about finance laws will overcome any concern he has about uh, overturning the Austin precedent. But I don't know how that great, how great that will be because the Austin precedent, frankly, is, has always been the one that kind of stands out as the wrongly decided case in the court's uh, panoply of campaign finance decisions. What evidence is there that uh, corporations, if opened up to uh, use their treasury funds for whatever campaign purpose they would want, what evidence is there that they would jump right in uh, or be more involved in elections than, uh, than you or I might think? 
Well, I mean, perhaps the biggest evidence, of course, is that they can. <laughs> you know, how much more corporate activity there'd be, nobody really knows. Uh, I expect there would be more, and I think that would be a good thing. Uh, but it's not going to be some kind of, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars or something. We can look at two sources of evidence, really. That is, prior to 2002, corporations could uh, spend money in uh, what were called issue ads. Uh, that is, ads that could say terrible things about a candidate and his views, but stop short of urging people to vote against him. And indeed, much of the McCain-Feingold law and the McConnell decision that upheld it, and which is now under reconsideration by the court, was based on the notion that there was really no difference between these issue ads and an actual campaign ad. Um, well, if that's true, then I'm not sure why repealing McConnell would not uh, take us back essentially to where we were pre-2002. And obviously some of the reformers wouldn't like that, but I think most of the American public wouldn't notice that great a difference. Uh, there was a lot of corporate participation, altogether several hundred million dollars a year, but still a small fraction of the total amount we spend on politics. Uh, the other place you can look is to the states. A majority of the states now actually allow exactly this type of political participation by corporations in state elections. And yet none of these states are dominated by uh, corporations in some way that seems obviously bad. Uh, and in fact, some of the states are generally uh, doing very well. Texas is one such state. It's been the, the one state that's really coming through this recession in pretty good shape. Uh, Virginia and Utah, two states that are almost always considered among the best governed in the country, have no limits on corporate, not just on expenditures, what we're talking about here, but on, on uh, in, in the case of Virginia and Utah, corporations can even give money to candidate campaigns, which isn't even an issue in this case. So I don't think there's much evidence that you're going to see uh, th these, you know, huge outbursts of corporate spending, but you will see more. And again, we shouldn't shy from saying that. I think that that would be a good thing. Would overturning Austin present the opportunity, perhaps either through multiple small groups, uh, pooling resources and, and getting involved in, in, in politics more directly, or uh, larger corporations, could that upset the equilibrium of the, uh, the two-party system that we have now? Well, I, I don't know quite what the equilibrium of the system is. You can't ultimately, as a constitutional matter, decide these things based on sort of who you think is going to come out ahead, who's going to win. I think there's a common view that the Republicans would get more corporate contributions, but I don't know that that's really true. And uh, prior to McCain-Feingold, the three in the last election before that, the three largest soft money spenders among corporations gave all of their money to uh, Democrats. So that would be a tough case. I do think the winners are not going to be, as some people think, big businesses. What they'll be will be small and mid-sized businesses. Large businesses have full-time lobbyists in Washington. They, they're the companies that have the large political action committees. You know, corporate PAC can only solicit contributions from certain high-level managers and shareholders. So if you've got a tiny company, you can't get much money into a PAC, not even enough to make it work the expense of, of managing a PAC and reporting to the government and all the kinds of things you have to do. So the big companies, they've got their PACs, they've got their lobbyists. The small and mid-sized businesses are the companies that will benefit by being able to simply write a check out of their corporate treasury to uh, talk about political issues. Bradley Smith is former chairman of the Federal Election Commission and founder of the Center for Competitive Politics. We spoke following a forum on the Citizens United case. That case will be reheard by the U.S. Supreme Court today. You can watch or listen to the forum at Cato.org.